welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer, and today we have a special guest host. You've heard her on our podcast before in the different incarnations. We've done live shows with her at Comic-Cons. Matter of fact, our last one, she brought all the boys to the yard <laughs> to make that one even go. So we we owe her a lot. Uh, she's a comedian. She's an actor. She is a filmmaker and a horror nerd. She also has a self-help but funny book coming out called You Need to Hear This. It's an audio book coming out on February 13th. Please give it up for our friend and yours, Anastasia Washington. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much for showing up here. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. This is an extra special episode. It's really deep for me and very close to my heart. The episode is going to be called Is Eddie Murphy the Greatest? Short answer, yes. Eddie Murphy's been in my life for a long time, but I'd like to ask you, when were you first aware of Eddie Murphy. So I grew up watching his specials probably way too young. Like I remember, <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad uh, and my mom would be like, if there was a special on or if there was like a rerun of something in Saturday Night Live, I was like, they would let me stay up late to watch it. Um, I, I don't think I even knew like when I watch Raw again, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I yeah. got any of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but uh, yeah, I started watching uh, the specials. I grew up, you know, just watching SNL um, and old SNL and, you know, the 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 one of my time. But um, we were just really big Eddie Murphy, like fans in my family. It's like Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy are probably mm -hmm. the reasons I became <laughs> a comedian because mm -hmm. uh, I grew up on them. Um, they were just part of the family, pretty much. We quoted them all the time. Um and his SNL characters really like defined just like I feel like the tone of my comedy. <laughs> yeah. Which as a woman, it's weird to say. <laughs> but you know. Yeah, it's I true. mean it's it's weird. When I when I very first started doing comedy, obviously, you know, um Richard Pryor, Carlin, all the the whole shebang. But at the time, in like uh I don't know, when I was a kid in the nineties even, I saw Janine Garofalo and I saw that she would bring up notes. And I saw that she would talk about like feminist issues and shit the audience really wasn't interested in and kind of turn them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if she could do that, then I could talk about my militant stuff or my comic book yeah. stuff or my whatever. And was really key in trying to help me form kind of my voice. And people wouldn't really know that now to listen to my yeah. comedy, but it was real influence. So <laughs> there you go. Like uh, Richard Pryor being in, in I mean, uh, Eddie Murphy being in your Matrix yeah. And, you know, and and Richard, by definition, being in your matrix because of what Eddie Murphy got from him. Yeah. That's it's very interesting. What did you okay, top three Saturday Live characters that are not Buckwheat? To you me. took away Buckwheat from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just number three one. Three times a matey? <laughs> Unts, Tice. FIFA's a matey. And my sister always, I always do it wrong. And my sister's like, no, it's FIFA's a matey. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> we are well above a certain age where we should be talking like <laughs> I mean, but Buckwheat killed. I mean, I, I think uh, number two for me would probably be... Um, his version of uh, Mr. Rogers. I was going to say Mr. It's like Mr. Robinson, I believe. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my it's God. It's so good. The Cabbage Patch doll where he just took a head of cabbage and put it on. Like, <laughs> like his old ass. <laughs> 
Gumby doll. I was like, yes. Um, and I loved him as Gumby. I'm, I'm, I, yes. I, Cause I also am like nostalgic and it's not even my nostalgia. It's like caught nostalgia of the Rat Pack. Um, yes. There's something about that, like Dean Martin esque type thing. Um, and mm-hmm. I loved Gumby. I don't know where I got that from, but I did I love think- Gumby. Gumby was almost not only all of the Rat Pack on some level, but he was also um, uh, Don Rickles too. And Don Rickles yeah. is like their little their little buddy that they kept around because he was like, hey, there's a little guy. He's gonna he's our court jester basically. So he yeah. combined all the Rat Pack and Don Rickles. Except for into he didn't this. add Marilyn in there. He was like, I'm not gonna add. <laughs> Nobody wants to add Marilyn into the Rat Pack. They don't want to give her her shot. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna a, do it. It's a boys club, damn it. But yeah, I, I think I think that is true. It's it's crazy how the different uh, groups, even the the Brat Pack had girls. So I guess by the 80s, we had evolved a little bit to have well, like- I mean, Marilyn was there. They just don't, yeah. you know. I mean, I think Ella and Marilyn were really mm-hmm. there. Um, and Marilyn was sneaking uh, Ella and all these other people in <laughs> places <laughs> because she's like, I'm Marilyn. You can't deny my friends. <laughs> um, I mean- yeah, if she shows up, it's plus whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's you know. plus whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if I was to be on Saturday Night Live, I would be Mrs. Gumby. And I <laughs> would um, add all of the characters. It would be weird. I'm not going to lie. Going from <laughs> Dean Martin to Marilyn to Ella. Well, you could be um, <laughs> if you're if you're like Mrs. Robinson, and yeah. just like like laying on the couch watching TV. And he's like, "Woman, I'm out here hustling." It's like, "Hey, look here, I'm doing I'm doing fraud myself." Exactly. We getting it in right on my back. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, I think the Saturday Night Live thing, honestly, people. I mean, people now. I don't know if it can be overstated his impact on Saturday Night Live because Saturday Night Live was basically it was funny to everybody. I don't think we had segregated comedy as much, but he did bring like a black perspective that wasn't strictly tied to any sort of message or or even any type of buffoonery. It was like he could have a message and a be a buffoon mm-hmm. and be respected all at the same time. And He's I think you know Garrett so Morris talented like he yeah can Garrett sing. Morris is. A, Yes, yes, yes. Garrett Morris is a trailblazer and I love him to death. Yeah. But when Eddie came, it was just, it was the difference between like, a, I don't know, an atomic bomb and like a super nuclear bomb. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. He just encapsulated so much about what the, what the young black people were thinking and just threw it out there. And just the fact that he got so famous so fast, it just is a testament to how no, there was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. People got to understand there wasn't anything like that. Yeah, I mean, in his honesty, obviously, a lot of his honesty is inspired by, like, Richard Pryor's depth of honesty and, like, Mm -hmm. bold statements. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. Like, there was a finesse about it that was really nice. And, I mean, like, even the Hot Tub song is forever in my my, my, mind. I still do the Hot Tub song. Yeah, I can't not, you know. Um, So, I don't know. He's just so iconic to... I can't imagine comedy without him. <laughs> like, and I cannot you know? imagine my comedy without him. And even when he goes serious, he's very, he's just very um, precise. You know, there's so many comedians that are just like, they're like this raw energy and, 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 and like, like Robin Williams, he was raw energy, just like everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was great. And you're, you get into that energy and you're just like crazed, but like Eddie Murphy's energy is, high it's high energy but it's mm-hmm. precise yes um 
And I, I respect that a lot. I think that's kind of what I try as a comedian to give. Like, I want the energy to be high, but I don't want it to be like, like my energy don't, I don't want it to be chaotic. I want to be for a reason, <laughs> you know, right. even if they can't tell the reason at the end, like at the end you will. And like, that's mm-hmm. what I feel like he always brought. You could see where he's coming from. And if you didn't see where he was coming from, it was equally funny. Mm-hmm. Like the antics and the message were both equally funny. So Absolutely. like you could whatever you got from it like I mean there were so many kids who probably thought he was very very funny on Mr. Robinson's neighborhood that didn't understand the jokes he was actually making. I know I didn't as a kid. I didn't understand no. about like gentrification and the fucking and when the landlord used to come around he's like who is it? You know and like yeah, I didn't his get voice. any of that. But there was right. something about I don't know his energy his his presentation of it that was so that was so good and it show it shows you such good classic joke making um even his acceptance speech at the golden globes mm-hmm. that is such a, a classic one two three and it's and and you know he's he's the best because you just didn't see it coming and you loved it you know you're like mm-hmm. oh you're gonna you're gonna drop a bomb on Will Smith right now <laughs> like, he doesn't care for his SNL episode last year he was like mm-hmm. let me just come for Bill and then this year he's like let me just come for Will <laughs> it was a funny joke about Will but even then I watched that after interview and he was like look I've worked with Jada I've walked I've worked with uh, Will Smith it's not and I've worked with Chris Rock it's not a big like uh enemy fest it's just like I'm a comic and I'm going to make a joke. And I think people kind of on those acceptance speeches, people are kind of used to this earnest shit or like maybe English people going up and be like, oh, it's ever so lovely to be here. Oh, I should not even be here. You know, this this yeah. false humility and they'll mm-hmm. pa- ha- pass that off as funny or like Michelle Yeoh threatening to beat somebody's ass for trying to play her off. They'll yeah. say they'll they'll play that for jokes and say it's funny. But when somebody's actually funny. Half the time, people are just like flabbergasted. It's like, dude, he is a funny dude. What did you expect? He is, yeah. No, I loved it. I thought it was very, very funny. Very like, I came out of nowhere, but it was perfect. It was just uh, just enough. Um. But basically, Eddie Murphy for me, when I, I mean, as a kid, my first exposure to him, my mom let me watch Raw, and uh, basically, she, I, I know that she took me as a baby baby to see it in the movie theater because you couldn't get a sitter, I guess. And I just saw all of that as a kid. And I know my brain just started wrinkling from that point of like, okay, this is how you set stuff up. This is how you be like this. I had, I saw And you know, what's funny. I saw delirious later. I saw, yeah, I saw delirious after raw. I definitely saw delirious after raw. I remember seeing raw. I remember, um, my father had, um, so he used to like work at airport, um, like security, but then he didn't work there anymore, but he had all these friends that would confiscate stuff at the airport. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they confiscated some kind of like, I don't know, bootleg of it in wow. 1987. And so we watched it at the house and my dad and like brought his friends over, like from like his Chicago friends over and they were all like eating and watching it and, and they let me watch it. And it was crazy. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I don't think I quite understood some of the stuff he was saying. Um, and even now I feel like he would disagree with some of his comedy and <laughs> back then, mm-hmm. uh, especially about women. I think he would, I would disagree. He would disagree a little bit cause he's grown as a man and mm-hmm. like, you know, but it was, it's, it's interesting. Cause I just did a rewatch of it and I was like, wow, I don't think he's that man anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be at 61. You know what I mean? Like ni- 19, 20, well, 21, 23. Be. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely know some <laughs> immature old motherfuckers. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that is true. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you've been to a comedy club, right? Yes. <laughs> There's definitely some some gray beard uh, uh, idiots out there, uh, yeah. which is really, really, really sad because I think Eddie has grown as a person. And I think I people kind of have been mad at him for not taking back more what he said at that time. But the whole point mm-hmm. of comedy is... It's your point of view in that moment. Everybody knows that comedy ages like milk. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody knows that, especially if it's pointed for its time. Like I listen to old Mort Saul records. I'm like, uh, Spiru Agnew? What the fuck? Like, (laughs) like, you know, Doris Day jokes? I love seeing the, like, the evolution of us Mm -hmm. as people, like, through our comedy like i i mean my stand-up when i first started out was so deprecating to Mm -hmm. the fact that i was curvy i would never make a joke like that anymore because i've grown as a different i'm a different woman now and Mm -hmm. like even my views on certain things have just kind of evolved and hopefully gotten hopefully gotten uh more grown up <laughs> i don't know i'm still playing pokemon but let's just you know <laughs> oh quick sidebar when i go to the park to walk around i at first i saw these fucking zombies and they were all looking at their phones but more than regular zombieism from looking at their phones mm-hmm. and they were like walking around and my, my buddy quincy was like what are they doing and we were just trying to figure it out and we we're like and it just hit us both at the same time. We turned to look at each other and said, Pokemon. Yes. They're, they're trying to catch Pokemon. They are. Because, you know, every time I'm single, I get really, really into Pokemon. <laughs> like, super into Pokemon. <laughs> People are like, are you on the dating apps? I'm like, no, but I am on Pokemon Go. <laughs> uh- Dude, I'm gonna see you in two years. You're gonna be all. You're gonna be with child. It's gonna be Bulbasaurs or whatever. <laughs> I listen, probably. <laughs> And the evolution will be no. I'm just you're just gonna keep your kids in a backpack and pop them out whenever you want to battle somebody. Yeah, I just hatched <laughs> another one. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, and I yeah, I don't want to see their evolved forms. We'll talk about that later. But but as far as like evolution in regards to Eddie, I think people really do crap on him for not coming out and being like, "Yo, um." I was mad anti-gay at the time because I didn't kind right. of understand it. And I was like 20 something years old and, and in my community, it wasn't really like that thing. And, you know, I'm sorry about that. People kind of crap on for not doing that. But I think, again, it's like this trapped in amber. It's like a T-Rex apologizing for the blood inside the mosquito inside the amber or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, that's what it was at the time. Now I would obviously like, I feel mm-hmm. like, Oh God, this is going to get so deep and I don't know if I should go there. But I feel like comedians that are now saying certain things and doubling down on them, I won't say. Mm-hmm. At this point, I feel like that's not a great evolution of 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 of, of person or comedy, right? Like, right. I understand we all say stuff that I'm we're not proud of. Like, I made a joke once that really offended people on Twitter. This woman, she unfollowed me and she kind of talked shit about me. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 why did I like what did I do like I just want to mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. um and I, it turns out I was being insensitive about something that I was not actually like you know it wasn't my community and I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't realize and if I continue to make that joke I'm continuing to be wrong but I would never make that joke again right I have learned my lesson um 
I don't know that I need to, you know, keep talking about that. If that ever came up, I would be like, yeah, I'm sorry. I said sorry back then. Like, right. You know? I mean, I think that that's the thing. That's the germ of the idea that has some of these assholes going crazy. Mm-hmm. That, that the germ of it is after you apologize, it can, it should be time to move on, especially if you've shown that you've learned through your subsequent acts. But there, but some of the assholes have been relentlessly attacked by people who are like, no, you were too much of an asshole to ever come back from that. Right. And it's like, that's where it gets into like, oh man, like if you're just going to keep berating me even after I apologize, then who's the fucking asshole in, right. in the aggregate? You know what but I, mean? I do think there's like agitation back and forth, right? So yeah. I, I said it, I apologize. Well, that wasn't good enough. Okay, well, then now I, I'm so mad that you won't let it go that I'm going to say it again. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It's like, it's like, okay, but yeah, so now they're mad again. <laughs> right. So, it's, yeah. like, it's like, okay, but at some point, somebody's got to stop. <laughs> right, you know I mean? right. Eddie never doubled down on anything. I don't think he ever like publicly apologized, but he never like was like, oh yeah, the stupid stuff I said back then, let me just say it again because you guys are mad now. Right. <laughs> no, let me let me do the stillmatic version of yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm gonna just do my my same stuff with some new yeah. verve. And what's interesting also is he is, I think we're getting at something in regards to his career that okay, you you, you start out in stand-up. And mm-hmm. you're doing a stand up in clubs and you become a headliner by the age of like 19, which is amazing. Like, yeah, I don't even know if the hustle I, that he had to have I or just right. the raw talent, maybe even. Well, just getting in the in the New York market and going ham. I It's always w- weird to me how people that talented ever got people to take them out with them. You know what I mean? Like I certainly I wouldn't want to be some 50 year old Borscht Belt motherfucker getting blown off the stage by Eddie Murphy every night in Vegas for two weeks or whatever. I wouldn't want that. But somebody did that. That's how he got so big nationally. Some some people were just like, I'll take Eddie with me and just got destroyed every night with him until he became a headline. He must have been so charming being like, hey, man, I'm sorry I blew you off the stage again. Such a great like I think comedy should be that way. I think we should mm-hmm. be like these are talented, amazing people that I want to hang out with. And instead of we see a lot of entourage type, like, mm-hmm. you know, these people make me look good and I'm and they're never going to be more than my opening acts. And then we're just going to keep doing this over and over and over again. And they right. the boys out of like, how sucky for them. That how sucks. Sucky. <laughs> like, that sucks. Um, so I think it's great when uh, older talent or like, you know, that have been on the road are like, yeah, this person's talented. I got their back. They got my back. Because mm-hmm. obviously when that person's famous, like if you're Eddie Murphy and they took you out on the road and like helped your career, he's going to make a bazillion movies. And guess what? You're getting a cameo mm-hmm. when you can't go on the road anymore. And that makes more sense mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> it does make more sense. It makes more sense than oh, I'll just pick somebody. If you're black, you pick a white, inexperienced, young comic so that they Mm -hmm. can never step on any of your jokes or whatever. No, take somebody out that can do some of the same stuff you could do, you know? And if you can be the headliner after a great feature act, that means you're a real headliner, you know? But so many people have so so much insecurity in their headlinerness that they won't let somebody powerful go in front of them. And like I said, Eddie Murphy must have been a charming motherfucker because I know he was trashing those dudes. And the the establishment, seeing this new Richard Pryor, which is probably how he was billed, seeing a new Richard Pryor come about, they're probably like kind of sick of that. Like, dude, I don't want to see somebody with this urban, quote unquote, black power coming up doing all this stuff while I'm still going, hey, uh, um, take my wife, please. You know, uh, th- you know which is having a resurgence and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, please, 
please stop. Like, I, what are we going to bring back airplane food? Please stop, you guys. <laughs> oh, my God. Black people do this and white people do that. Never left. Yeah, I'm like, please stop. Please stop it. Dude, <laughs> We're it's, better, it's just, aren't we? <laughs> I, I fucking wish. <laughs> Uh, but it's we become a lot of hacks because of social media, I think, because yeah. social media clips that are just like, duh, buh, duh, buh, duh, buh, buh, duh, and you're done with your joke, and it's some so-called universal truth, i.e. hack statement. That will yeah. get you more views than some truly unique off-the-wall thing that you would say, which uh, brings us back to what Eddie <laughs> was doing in regards to stand-up, the mm-hmm. personal nature of what he was doing and saying, having people see that as something to even put in the movies is pretty magnificent because he was doing a lot more acting on stage mm. than a lot of comics do. And That's I think true. it was, yeah, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't take a brilliant person to see that he could do movies, but I think it would take a sort of brave executive to be the first person to take, you know, a chance on. Well, especially on back then, I, I think there's like a lot of benefits to when he launched, like I think about this with like even steel Steven Spielberg or any of them, like mm-hmm. the way that those that some of these people got their stardom and their start is like non-existent now. We cannot, mm-hmm. there's no way we can do any of that. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you're also back in the day when being other than white Christian uh, was also not the easiest thing to do. So it was like, it was like a great time to come up because there was like this free way of getting in. But at the same time, there was people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Because they had to be like, I can put money behind this and he's going to get butts in, in theaters. Well, getting from stand up to do SNL, but is SNL the biggest shit in the world because it's the biggest shit in the world or is it because my contribution to it? is doing Mm -hmm. that. I think it's got a little bit to do with me. So let me kind of go branch out and to show you how Titanic Eddie Murphy is, the closest thing I could say to his career path is Donald Glover. Donald Glover is huge. Donald Glover is big. But Eddie Murphy? Like like doing a Donald Glover in the in in 1981, 82, 83, that's insane. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. that blueprint, it must have been so much harder to be the Donald Glover as Eddie Murphy, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think there was so many disadvantages at the time, but I think there was also this, we're so bored in comedy with just airplane food and, and dick jokes and whatever. And this is a guy that has like this great raw energy. He's got character work and storytelling, which is very much a very black community comedy thing in general. I feel mm-hmm. like, like we have to code switch as comedians mm-hmm. to be like, okay, so it's like a wider crowd. So we can't do as much storytelling. They really want to shtick. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but you just did jazz hands when you said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, as comedians, I, I feel like as comedians of color, we're we're storytellers, and we 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 do character mm. work a lot more than than others. And he was just unapologetically himself, and I think people were just like, yes, different, amazing, and he's not sorry, and he's not asking permission to be here, which is mm. something to learn. <laughs> like, I don't know. Boy, teach me. Boy. <laughs> I wish <laughs> that I, I learned that more because like sometimes I do think of how much I ask to mm. be and it's just like I shouldn't I don't have to I don't have to earn every mm-hmm. second that I'm on stage I don't have to and I, you think that you do because oh I come from Missouri we I love Missouri the Lord knows I do but there's some hater motherfuckers in Kansas <laughs> City where I'm from like we don't even like Tech 9 and Tech 9's like dollar for dollar the biggest rapper in the world and he's just in Kansas City we didn't play him on the radio and shit 
And when I got out to California, I talked to somebody about who their favorite rapper was. When they said Tech Nine, I was genuinely flabbergasted because he was like, it's like that thing. You can't be a prophet from your hometown. Right. You have to like, leave and your dopeness will Which be recognized. So, it's the same thing with the community. Like the community is so hard on us. And I guess it makes us stronger. You know, like I have done auditions for the black community where I literally thought there's no way I got this because I'm like practically crying inside because they are heckling me so much about Mm. my skin tone, my this, my that. And at the end they're like, I love you. And uh, you got the (laughs) role. And I'm like, really good. Cause I cried in the bathroom for 20 minutes. But I think it's, it's like, it's very much, I can only equate it to like my dad being like, that sh- south side of Chicago, that's the way they love. They love hard. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> the, the tough love and the Jonan, yeah. the Jonan Kraken, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Like, it is that busting bulls. That yeah. if, we're, if we're Italian, they would just call it busting bulls. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's what it is. And I think Eddie Murphy coming up through that and also understanding his place in the new regime of I came up in this thing and I don't have to wait till I'm 38 or 50 or whatever to do what I want to do. I'm just going to go head hard with it, you know? And then when you have people like Charlie Murphy uh, whooping your ass comedically in your own house, you know what I mean? You you build (laughs) up that power. Oh God, Charlie Murphy was so good. So good. Can you imagine being in that house? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I, you would love it and hate it at the same, at the same damn time. As a uh, person that's dated a comedian before, I I I, I kind of get it. <laughs> what time do you stop? Yeah, no, that trust me, that I've definitely run into that in my relationships. It's just like okay. <laughs> I understand that it just happened, but I just came up with this dope-ass joke, and I got to yeah. get it off. And they're like, no! Uh, this, yeah. Don't censor me, woman! <laughs> yeah. yeah, but also it's like, okay, but not everything is a shtick, you guys. we got to stop at some point. You can, no, waka, 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 till I die. <laughs> it's like, you could just say I'm sexy today instead of going like, well, look at that thing on your face. No! <laughs> like, I know that's funny, but like, let's... <laughs> Give me a compliment like, before you dig in. <laughs> yeah, you forget. Yeah, you already negged me. I'm in the relationship. You can stop now. <laughs> you can stop. <laughs> well, I mean, what's what's funny about uh, when you look at Eddie Murphy transitioning into uh, from, from from the stand up being so powerful to the SNL, then then you start looking movies. at the movies, and the movies is it's it's weird animal because when you're younger in the game whether you're young or not cuz you know I fucking whenever I'm in my first movie I will not be young but I think that it's about when you're coming to the game how they use you mm. right cuz you don't have the agency mm-hmm. there's so much money around the shit that you just got to be a cog in the machine and go with it Right. And I just think it's interesting how when, even the movies where he started out trying to do that, he just destroyed like 48 yeah. hours that he should he he was supposed to be this almost disposable black guy in there so that some that Nick Nolte would have something to act against. Mm-hmm. And throughout the course of that movie, he just took it over and over and over and over to the point where he is. If we're talking about stealing scenes Definitely. from Nick Nolte and prime mm-hmm. Nick Nolteville. Mm-hmm. He came into Nick Noltyville and said there's a new sheriff in town, not just that First bar. All, can we all go to Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, everybody's tired of Nick Noltyville. They're just like, ah, oh, just woke up. Like, oh fuck, man. The weirdest theme park ever. <laughs> 
everybody's different roles. Like there's somebody walking around with his ass cheeks hanging out of his jockstrap, and that's from North Dallas 40. So there's North Dallas 40ville where everybody's just ass cheeks and jockstraps. It's like a giant locker room. And then there's 48 Hoursville where you can get racial slurs yelled at you. And you're like, oh, gee. The theme park is horrible, and I want to go. <laughs> well, you're a theme park head. So. I am, and the weirder, the better. Like, I love it. So, And basically, so we go 48 hours. I just got to say, 48 hours to me, when I watched it, I think it was one of the earliest times when I understood, no matter when I saw it, one of the earliest times that I understood something about Blackness. Like mm-hmm. besides what my mom would say or what my dad would say or somebody in the in in the early grades saying something about African booty scratchers and how you're black, but you're not African. And right. all, all this weird little shit is going on in your head as a little kid. But it crystallized for me when Eddie Murphy goes into that bar with all those honky tonk fuckers and the way they're looking at him with such disdain as though he doesn't belong. And the way he just takes that over and make no mistake, I also recognize that he had to take cop power to be that cemented in my mind from a young age okay the biggest gangsters in the world are cops because he didn't come in and just lay down the law and be just he oppressed them Mm -hmm. which i loved (laughs) yeah i mean he he definitely does i don't know i don't know his process so i can't say but like he feels like he does his homework and not like Mm. not like in a i don't know not in like a method acting type way just like i think you can put him pretty much on anything and he does well i don't think they give him a lot of credit for even like i remember i was uh in the car with another mixed friend of mine (laughs) but she was listening to this song party all the time that was playing in my car because that's who i am it may have come on after king tut I don't know. <laughs> well, this is the comedy records. Like, hey, this I is might have a playlist. Rec- okay. Uh, comedy <laughs> records, AM. We're going to drop all the comedy hits. For my car, it goes from like hardcore rap to rock to the comedy songs. Like, mm-hmm. is that Hamilton? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's everywhere. But so, Party All the Time comes on and um, she goes, it didn't say it's Eddie Murphy singing this. And I was like, yeah, that's Eddie Murphy. He, she goes, Eddie Murphy can sing. And I was like, you need to get out of my car. Oh my <laughs> She's the same one that said, uh, this is new edition. This is not my uh, the Jackson 5. And I was like, get out. Get out of my car. I wish you were raised with black people. <laughs> It's almost like mixed on mixed crime. It is. And that that place is like, come on, man. Yeah. Well, it shows you who you're like, you know, I was raised to know the black side of my family. I was raised to know the black community. I was raised to know black comedy and black art. And um, not every mixed person is um, Mm. encouraged to know both sides. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's important. Yeah. It's like, I'll show you one Paul Robeson movie and that's it. That's it. We're out. We're out. You're done. <laughs> Old Man River. That's it. <laughs> I mean, the thing the thing that's funny to me also about the the forty eight hours experience, like watching it, is it was like there was it was a microcosm of how they saw black people at that time. Like they would let him be a wild card and take over the mm. movie, but he was also a convict. They mm. would have the black boss in there giving Nick Nolte shit. So that mm-hmm. Nick Nolte, the shit from the black boss rolled downhill onto another black man 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And the you know the when uh, homeboy, I f- forgot his name, but he's a, a great actor. Um, he used to play football too. Shit, mm-hmm. I'll look it up later and throw it in the edit. But uh, like, that guy playing the just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that guy played the black boss in 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 um in Forty Eight Hours. He basically he was like. Uh, you you're messing you messed up your career for some convict nigger. Yeah, I said it, and it's like wow. And I started being like, wow, there are people in these positions that decide to divorce themselves for the community, and to have oh, that be yeah. in a Walter Hill movie in eighty two or eighty three, whatever. That's just crazy. Walter Hill did us a solid in the, uh, at that time, honestly. <laughs> yes, for sure. So also, uh, after 48 Hours, which, again, uh, I really just wish that another 48 Hours didn't exist. Not to take money out of my man Eddie's pocket, but it just ended so perfectly. Like, there was this glint of hope. It's almost like the ending of Out of Sight, which I won't give away, but there's this glint of hope at the end of Out of Sight, even though shit goes bad. There's a glint of hope that lets it be a happy ending. And that's what 48 Hours kind of had. It's like, he's got to go back to jail, but when he gets out... His gorilla's gonna be there, and he's gonna find his car, and da 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 da. And then the the, the fucking sequel just destroys it. Like, you know, there's certain sequels we just don't. We don't have to, you know, like right. they don't have to exist. Although I I really it's a am looking. Skull. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just look at Eddie Murphy gets in another 48 hours refrigerator. <laughs> no. Oh my god! I am looking forward to Beverly Hills Cop Four, though. I'm sorry, I, I, I have do. to for some reason. And I gotta tell you, I'm sorry. And if anybody's offended, I'm sorry. I didn't hate coming to America too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if somebody's offended by your love of coming to America too, they can fuck right off my podcast feed. Well, so many people were so upset about it, and I was like. I don't know. It just was for me. Like, I felt like they were just like, let's just do all these cameos for you. Then they got in vogue there. I was like, I mean, I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> and like, and like, uh, basically, um, um, oh, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Bell Calloway still hopping after a million years. Obviously, yes. she's not still hopping. It's just a joke. It's like, I think, I think that movie was a microcosm of how much we build stuff up in our heads that's classic. Mm-hmm. And then we like refuse to have any addendums. And again, I, I did it just now with another 48 hours, but I don't think another 48 hours is anywhere close to as good as its source material as coming to America too. Now, obviously coming to fair. America is superior, but coming Absolute. to America too just takes the story. It, it does the story over again with this new bent of like, yeah, now my son has to make his own choices. Like I had to make my own choices with my dad. It's just, yeah, th- there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. And it felt like coming home. I don't know. Like it just really mm. did. I was like, I was like, I needed that. And maybe it was just like at the time too, like it came out in like, a yeah. time. cause the pandemic didn't give us a lot of great black <laughs> cultural moments. Mm. <laughs> and I was just like, this is really just fun. It's just fun. It's just black mm-hmm. joy. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think when you try to make it into this, this, uh, it's it's not a cultural moment like the first one was. No. Why does it have to disqualify it from existing? You know, what it I mean? doesn't have to disqualify it from existing, but also it could in 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 its like simplicity of the fact that it's just a joyful situation could be an impact on our cultural existence. Yeah, because not yeah. everything has to be such heaviness and such. Like we could just be silly and have fun, just like the millions of white comedy movies that don't lend anything to cultural society. 
Uh oh, spaghetti. <laughs> no, but it's great. I mean, you're I right. love that. Right. I just like I. Mm-hmm. This didn't have to make an impact. It just made it just made us have fun. And um, mm-hmm. don't black filmmakers deserve that moment too? Don't black Boy. actors deserve that too? <laughs> I mean, just just I I and and it's it's been said so many times, so many ways. It's not just diversity because it's black. It's diversity of black stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, diversity of stuff where we're not a convict. Con- we're not a convict right. or a king. We're not right. we're not a prisoner or a fucking uh CEO. We're yeah. we're all these different types of people. Like it, it, show me a movie about a black dude that has a laundry mat. They don't yes. do that though. They they yeah. just they, everything has to be like you're the fucking king of Wakanda or you're the worst most oppressed right. criminal in the wa- Waxahachie swamps. It's like what the fuck? Yeah. And not to say and not to say that like making that kind of stuff, like I don't ever want to discourage any black creator from creating stuff that they are going through or that they need to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, I write stuff that's like, okay, well, like I love making people laugh, but there's also stuff that in in my life I'm going through or I have had to come to terms with. So you absolutely should explore that as a black creator, but like, it we should lend the in between. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, we should give room. We should give no. breath to that. <laughs> Absolutely. And along those lines, look at uh, just chronologically, mm-hmm. I think Trading Places okay. is really interesting because it's probably the best movie I've seen that has blackface in it. <laughs> I mean, the- that is a statement <laughs> that you just said. <laughs> I'm just saying, of all the ones, of all the ones I've seen that have blackface in them, this is by far the best. You hear Um, that, Drake? You can redo it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Drake, don't be mad at me. Okay, we're the same. (laughs) Have you, dude? Drake, Drake got dead to me when he was like talking about. There was this viral video that went on Twitter the other day about he was talking to some white girls about like how Toronto slang was (laughs) shocking. He was, like, he was like a young dude, I guess, right after, right before Degrassi, and he was he was talking mm. to some white girls about how Toronto slang is ignorant and all this kind of shit. It's like Toronto slang is just kind of Jamaican oh. patois, so you're basically saying Jamaicans are ignorant. Yeah. It's like, why are you doing that to impress these white folks? And it's like, and now he's a champagne poppy and has black girls chasing him. I'm like, I don't know that a- he likes. I don't know that he likes y'all like that. You know what I mean? And that's I why mean- all his songs are very like every. All songs are about like when you left me, you fucked up. It's like, well, maybe thinking like that Dude, made me leave you. Male, he very sensitive. <laughs> he's sensitive. Also, I love the videos where his little boy is talking in French and he doesn't understand it at all. So he just like kind of like <laughs> says stuff, and then everybody else is like. <laughs> That's not what he said. Your boy said you're a dumb fucker, and you're just like, yeah. That's he's yeah, spitting rhymes. Yeah. He's like MC Solar. <laughs> he's spitting rhymes in French. It's like, oh my god, dude. But anyway, okay. Drake sidebar uh, aside, yeah. uh, the the thing about uh, trading places to me that was interesting was kind of this aspect of like, and I think I don't know if Eddie saw this in the script or if he just was like, yeah, I'm gonna be in a movie with Dan Aykroyd. It'll be good. Okay. But that thing about like two white dudes deciding to change your life like that. If there, if I don't think there's a better microcosm of being in Hollywood than that. <laughs> you know, like yeah. two two white dudes decide to play a game with your life to see mm-hmm. if they can prove that X Y Z can happen if you have these resources or if you don't. All those kind of jazz and just the, Which the took such that '80s trope of like mm-hmm. we're gonna make a weird bet and and. <laughs> 
how many movies were that set up? Right. <laughs> like, if I like a Brewster, Brewster's millions, I remember too. Just like, yeah. like, wait a minute, all this, all this money, can I get Ed Greer's millions? I guarantee you I could spend it. I know yes, how. You can do it. <laughs> I've been preparing for this moment my whole life. I can feel it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's I, I I really enjoyed uh trading places uh at the time. I haven't revisited it for a while. I haven't either. I, so I don't know how I yeah, feel now. <laughs> I because like I said, when I saw but I last time I did see it, I was rankled by the fucking uh uh, basically, I think it's Dan Aykroyd in blackface. He comes in, he's got like a big dread wig and stuff. And I'm just like, that's where the white folks get all those Halloween costumes from. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Like that was the thing. And, yeah. uh, but you know, it, and, and also it's in, um, um, I think silver streak with, uh, with, um, uh, homeboy, uh, Richard Pryor and his boy, Gene, whatever they, Gene Wilder, who used to oh, hang Gene out Wilder, together yeah. and do movies. They had a, a big blackface scene, but it was like, it's Richard Pryor in it. He's getting his money. But when you're black as an artist, it puts you in this weird cognitive dissonance where it's just like, hey, man, I got to be in this blackface movie, but I'm getting paid to help my my yeah. people. It's like, I, I don't know. And I, I think nowadays we we definitely take blackface as like the most serious crime ever. And I think back yeah, in the day, I mean, they we were just like. took it mm-hmm. out of the office. Right. Right. Well, we, we think we think of it as the most big. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying no. that's how we see it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, so it really can mar some shit, but like a movie that I'm not gonna talk a, t- fucking talk about Best Defense because I'm just not. Okay, no. I, it doesn't doesn't make any you don't sense. Have to. <laughs> but as a kid, I remember one Christmas getting a crispy fucking VHS tape. <laughs> don't of, eat them. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, I put it on my charcuterie board. Like VHS tape, salami. Chacoots? You put it on your chacoots. <laughs> I put it was a crispy right at the package, beautiful, probably previously viewed as uh, yes, <laughs> again, as uh, the way it should be. <laughs> right, uh, tape of Beverly Hills Cop, and I think that even more so. And I understand that Forty Eight Hours was like the realistic, you know, hardcore version of this sort of black subversion of law enforcement, blah blah. But Beverly Hills Cop, he graduated to full Bugs Bunny in that one. Like he so could not cool. be beat. <laughs> So good. And I I think I had that on beta and I think I had Golden Child on beta. beta so I think I watched oh, them shit. a little too much because yes. like when you had your beta tapes, that's it. That's like, you know, like that's that's your defining your defining library when you got your mm-hmm. tapes because mm-hmm. we didn't have like this whole library of like at our fingertips to watch whatever we wanted over and over again. That is what mm-hmm. you watched over and over again. I watched, I watched mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop, The Golden Child, and I watched Enemy Mine. <laughs> Those were like my yes. like, until they like ran out of good usage. <laughs> you know? I let my tape rock to my tape pop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that fucking Dennis Quaid with that stupid glue on beard holding Louis Gossett Jr.'s alien baby. Get the fuck out of here. I don't understand why people don't talk about this movie. Maybe (laughs) it's just because it was so different. Like people talk about E.T. all the time. I was like, I don't know. Like I maybe watched E.T. when I was growing up a couple times, but I had enemy mind. So I watched that (laughs) shit all the time. (laughs) We're in the same tribe. I fucked with enemy mind so much harder than E.T. It's not even a contest. It's much deeper even sorry steven spielberg unless you want to hire us then we can change yeah. our mind. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> real quick. 
Well, I mean, the thing about the thing about Beverly Hills Cop too to me was like when you go back and look at it, and even as a me watching the initial murder in it as a kid, like that's a hard murder. That's like a really hard scene, and then the rest of it is so like he has that inside of him while he's doing all this stuff to try. That's what motivates him to do all the rest of the stuff he does, and he has to use his comedic persona throughout the rest of the movie. But the thing that starts it all is his best friend getting viciously murdered. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like, was that the first murder, like, in a movie that freaked me out? But I don't think that one freaked me out as much as Ricochet. So (laughs) 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 So, also saw that one way too young. Um, Yeah. yeah, No, I think, uh, and and it wasn't even a murder. It was just, like, drugging scene with Denzel. I was like, no. No, don't do (laughs) it. Don't do it. What's that woman doing to him? Oh um, man, in the pool, yeah, in the, yeah. In, the, in the drained pool thing, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh no, I'm so sexually confused right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think, I, I think there was like this scene in Golden. Ch- I, it's been a while, but like, either there was like some kind of like blood throw up or something like that. Yeah, blood. They, they had to put blood in the um in the porridge for the kid because if the kid drank the that's, blood, he would lose his powers or whatever. Yeah, right. That disturbed me more than <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so porridge blood worse than uh, Michael Tendino getting shot. I'm okay, so fine. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I've, been, Dude, I've had a hard life. I've seen a lot of shit. <laughs> okay. But I have not eaten porridge blood in it. <laughs> It's it's food it's food coloring. Uh well the thing that I also loved about Beverly Hills Cop he was, was it just really, it just <laughs> it really just showed me how in that movie his blackness he was able to um I don't, don't want to say weaponize it in a way because that's like it seems like bad but like yeah he was when he when he's checking in the hotel and he's just like I am a black reporter for Rolling Stone and I'm here to do a, a story about Michael Jackson and I was and I was switching to how this hotel don't let no niggas in there and he's just like uh I we have a room for you I just, I saw that so funny and like the black guy the fuck ever since I was a kid when, when I was in high school this this girl that I didn't even like I went to McDonald's and she was like working there and she hooked me up because that's what we do you know what I mean? And I'd when when homeboys going, take these bananas. I'm like, yes, take those bananas. Take that black man helped you to stop those cops from harassing you. Yes, take these bananas. Yes, <laughs> I love it. It's it's just a really to me. It's really about the people. It was like a, watching a black dude be a like how how the white cops in movies just don't have to follow any of the rules ever. No. They check in when they want. They're always playing clothes. They never wear a uniform. They never How do anything. How much trouble did Mel Gibson get in in any of those movies? Also in real life. But also in the <laughs> <laughs> It's a different kind of, you know. <laughs> I wish he was actually dragged across concrete. You know what I mean? Wait, it's, it's different, you know? Like, they don't do the same thing <laughs> in real life Dude. to him. Yeah, he got away with as much as as most cop movies do, but in a way he called out the actual culture of these kind of movies. I don't know. Right. How to describe, describe it. Well, it was an interesting thing because like the, the Beverly Hills cops, uh, the Beverly Hills plainclothes cops, uh, Bogomil and um, uh, fuck, Billy, they they were being so by the book and they were being shitty by the book. And Homeboy mm-hmm. was like, okay, you got to, if you're going to break the book, do it for like good and like yeah. do it like me and let's, let's improvise. Let's be these, you know, super cops. They're like the scene, I'm, 
if I can only talk about one scene for Beverly Hills Cop, and there's so many. The ending shootout is great. The opening murder is great. The him and uh, Michael Tendino playing pool and going back to his mm-hmm. crib is great. All that stuff is really great. But when uh, and the Victor Maitland when they threw him out the window, like <laughs> like you know, yeah. threw him out the front door. All that stuff was so good. Uh, Serge, him going to talk to Serge. Oh my God. God I, I mean, it's just them all over again. Dude, it's, a, just, it's a bunch of great scenes, like almost like those kind of weird, just slap together sketch movies. Yeah. But it goes together better than any of those movies. There's just a bunch of, uh, a bunch of sketches together, but yeah, the banana in the tailpipe. I was telling people I'm not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe <laughs> until like maybe five years ago. <laughs> you know? When it started being like motherfuckers was like, "What are you talking about?" Oh my god, I'm old. I'm old. No, we're not we're <laughs> leveling up. <laughs> level up, level up, level up. <laughs> uh, but like this, the scene where he's trying to, where he's basically uh, in the strip club and he sees the guys about to rob the strip club. First of all, I love Vanity, and Nasty Girl is one of my favorite songs of all time, and I think it just got into my brain. I mean, yeah. <laughs> of course it did. Dude. <laughs> kind of the point. Because <laughs> sometimes motherfuckers would be like, uh, yeah, tonight, and I'd be like, tonight. <laughs> and, you know. Do you think I'm a nasty girl? <laughs> Oh, I, am old. <laughs> I, I love that song and the fact that it's not even i don't think it's on spotify and i'm just like i gotta go to a youtube and watch a I, I gotta go to youtube and watch a grainy ass video of her and her girls dancing to even see the motherfucker which kind of tells me that like damn i guess i, I messed around and i'm, I'm irrelevant my, my love my song I, no <laughs> dude but i and also the thing about uh 80s eddie there was some more. There were definitely more movies in the eighties, but to me, I think I, again, I think we're I think we're simpatico. Looking at Golden Child and and um, Beverly Hills Cop as this unit mm. of like, this is how you just if you're doing good, but you're a rebel, this is how you do it in the modern age. Modern yeah. meaning nineteen eighty six. I mean, that's modern, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, even though millennials are, are or is it zennial? What what's the new generation? I guess I'm technically a millennial, but just I'm a geriatric millennial. But apparently, they're Which, calling the late. I hate that. I hate that's that. That's an actual terminology for the age. Don't I put am. geriatric on something where you're not geriatric. That doesn't but make any sense. They're calling like when we were born and when we were like you know teenagers and and young adults. Now they're calling it the late 1900s, and I'm like, we don't. You're uncalled. That's uncalled for. <laughs> oh so. my god! I mean, <laughs> I even, like, even calling it the 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 fucking uh, even calling it the uh, what you call it um, the twentieth century seems yeah, a little like yeah. It's like, like calm down. <laughs> like, do you know Ice Spice was born on two thousand? Like on the in the year two thousand. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I want to do with my life now. <laughs> I don't know what oh, I want to do with but, but okay. 80s, 80s Eddie Murphy from a female perspective also was super fine. <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, I, I, I wish I could share that perspective. I thought he was a very handsome man that I would like to oh, be. Oh, gosh. I think yeah, he also established yeah. how I wanted to date, too. Like, I uh. just like that. But boomerang Eddie 
definitely that was definitely a nice haircut I love that <laughs> well, let, let's actually let's talk about boomerang real quick because i know a lot of uh there's gonna be you know there in most podcasts of this nature they would talk about coming to america for 50 yeah. minutes coming to america is such an iconoclastic just oh, absolutely just great piece of art and it's just unassailable him playing all the parts him mm-hmm. doing you know a uh, section chocolate oh, yeah. there's just so much about it that is great just go Super watch great. it it, it's yeah. better than any of, of us recounting it or anything like no. that. But I think, and I think so many people have seen so it. So let's do a play by play exactly every word right now. <laughs> right now. <go. laughs> right now. Go. We, no, we just do the, like, the opening in Zamunda. <laughs> yeah. We do all the voices. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like a, a woof. A <laughs> there's so many. There's so, just go watch the fucking movie. Yeah. But some people listen to this podcast, I know for a fact, have not seen Boomerang. And I just got to say, you got to fucking watch that movie. It It might be, and I think it was definitely the first black romantic comedy that I'd ever seen. Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. I think I don't, I don't, I mean, there's probably ones that existed. I'm talking about just in our lives. I just, that was the one that I saw. And if I did see a black love story before, it wasn't a romantic comedy. It was some sort of, we struggling and we're going to yeah. get out of this sharecropping. We're going to beat up the sheriff or whatever the fuck. Yeah. That type of shit. And this is just like black executives, like to the point where yeah. when they were pitching it, the some of the executives in Hollywood places were just like, dude, I think this movie starts out a little bit too unrealistic because there aren't any because like black cosmetic. Right. There's not any bl- black executives at, at cosmetic companies. I, I just don't see that being realistic. But there should just, be because we wouldn't get foundation <laughs> that was the right color until like <laughs> way later in life. Like it's Dude, not fair. <laughs> you gals wearing wearing like looking like Simpsons characters or looking like you're in white face or looking like, <laughs> you know, you got some peanut butter on your face forever <laughs> and having to deal with that, like having to blend these white ass colors. Yeah. I I don't envy you that you know, <laughs> and I, I I got my makeup done at at the uh, when I did my last TV taping, and it was just like this is what y'all do every day. <laughs> it was it's like oh lot. my, God. it's a lot. It's so much better now. <laughs> it's so much better now. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, with the Rihanna's products and then yeah. I guess Sephora and all this different shit, but like Boomerang really t- showed me like okay, you can have a lot of your life taken care of. And mm-hmm. then when it when it comes time for you to be like uh, trying to get a mate, that's its own other challenge because Absolutely. maybe you're some handsome o and you just think people aren't good enough for you and blah blah. And the, the whole cool thing about the story was somebody who rejected women on superficial bullshit and used women was now used, and it was like this big yeah. whoa, and it was his awakening moment as to what he actually values in a woman. And it's like I had never thought about none of that shit. Uh, get you i grew up on like t-wolf thing i will say i get (laughs) she got hammer time in her shoe like i I think i watched it a couple of months ago just over again just for fun and then it got me real self-conscious about my feet (laughs) i was like we are never not having a pedicure anymore (laughs) just in case eddie rolls up in here You know, hey, I'm not getting turned down for that. <laughs> and just the fact that like Tisha Campbell was like a, a a next door like just jump off. I'm like, that's Tisha Campbell. Oh my god, 
you know, big apple yeah. head. I love her. Yeah. Like, ah, I was in love with her when I was a kid. Her and Pam. I, I They tried to make us choose. I did not choose. <laughs> Her and Pam was my girlfriends when I was oh, a kid. See, well, I just, I, I just chose Eddie. <laughs> so it was just real easy for me, and I've been looking for him at all the comedy clubs. <laughs> and, uh, the, and my dating life has been well, looking it gives, for Eddie. <laughs> it gives a new, it gives a new meaning to Eddie Murphy Raw. I mean, damn. <laughs> it do. <laughs> you hear that, Eddie? <laughs> it, it do. It do. <laughs> Uh, and basically, in that movie, I just think uh, it has that truth about cat and dogs, cats and dogs thing, where it's like, okay, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I'm supposed to want Uma Thurman more than Janine Garofalo. In what fucking universe does you're, this take place? You're, you're such a good man. <laughs> I was telling you that. No, she's. Good. I mean, even like, even on the base, shitty man who is cuter to me and whose personality was cuter as presented in the movie. It's like, it's Shanique Ruffalo all the way. But of course, I'm not a white dude of a certain age. I don't really like long backs. So it's just, that's kind (laughs) of where I'm from. You know what I mean? So, And Janine Garofalo has aged pretty pretty great. I just saw her in a horror movie on Shudder the other day and... Mm. She's, she's looking good. You, yeah. you make a choice. <laughs> I, I, nah, man. I mean, because Janine, you know, when we're old and we're arguing like the McLaughlin group about politics and it's still mentally stimulating, yeah, that's what a, a real motherfucker needs. You know what I'm saying? Like sure. that, that, that yeah. shit is very serious because mm-hmm. that's what makes relationships have that longevity. Once you get like, oh, I'm used to yours, used to your stuff, and you're used to my stuff. Now we can kind of get about building something you know and i would yeah. rather build with Janine garofalo than fucking uma thurman but you know maybe they, they should do a sequel where uma thurman like gets deep and tries and she's like got some superficial choice to make herself yeah. and she chooses different yeah that's a legacy you hear sequel. that hollywood you hear that <laughs> uma, uma thurman from truth and cats and dogs gets her own movie <laughs> <laughs> shit oh, oh my you heard that okay she's, uh, she's calling you right now dude, she, it's like, hello 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 uh, can you cast my daughter in it no maya hawk it's no work for me now nah, she's good uh, basically boomerang and beverly hills cop 2 beverly hills cop 2 being directed by tony scott and being sort of slick and glossy and him sort of really buying into how dope he was Honestly, mm-hmm. it lost me a little bit. I was like, I, it's great, but I just like him in his little hoodie and his great yeah. t-shirt trying to take on the world. Him having a bunch of dollars suits and Ferrari and shit. It kind of messed it up for me, <laughs> but he was still he was still Bugs Bunny. He still defeated Brigitte Nielsen's gang with yeah, her tall did. ass. Uh he he and uh but but when he played Marcus Graham, I think the bang bang bang, you got to coordinate John Witherspoon, RIP, uh David Allen Greer acting probably maybe yeah. the best he's act he acted for 20 years after that, uh, you know, uh, Martin Lawrence playing the sort of militant guy that I used to be in high school where I'm just like, man, the, the, the white ball bosses all the colored balls off of the green table. That represents the great earth. Trio. That was me. <laughs> When I was a youngster and I just discovered my militancy, that was me. I found it everywhere. I was going to break it down for you. I think uh, I was David yeah. Allen Greer, Greer's character. <laughs> I was always just like nervous and like not. 
<laughs> and see, and see, we didn't get that right as black people. We didn't get those tri- duos, trios, and quadruples yeah. or whatever where you could see yourself. You know, where I, I'm a I'm a Leonardo, I'm a Donatello, whatever the fuck, or I'm this guy in the hangover. Well, we all want to say that we're Michelangelo, but we're not. We're not. The yeah. we're, we're just we're not, not a bunch of party dudes. <laughs> bunch of party dudes wanting pizza we're very concerned party dudes that want pizza yeah absolutely and when when we get to going up into the 90s i you know what i'm one of the people who likes vampire in brooklyn i love angela bassett in it i love the aspect anything i mean of course of course but like angela bassett wrong oh and she's still the greatest. Like, I really oh, wish they had just put that Black Panther suit on her, man, for real. I mean, she could do it. She's I was still... ready for it. I mean, yeah. I knew, I, I we all knew who right. it was going to be. But I also was like, but like, if they don't want to do that, that's okay, though. <laughs> like, right, right. And I wish things like um, Distinguished Gentlemen were maybe written a tiny bit better. Because I think that, that concept was great. Eddie Murphy being right. a congressman. That was a great concept, and it just kind of the execution. Thomas Jefferson Johnson. <laughs> like, how many slave owners did you have? I mean, goddamn, he got traded a lot, you know. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit! Oh, oh man! Oh, no, <laughs> it got traded. What? Well, Thomas yeah. Jefferson did. Like, it, 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 he was like, he was like, I've, you know, like, I gotta trade him out because I keep having sex with him. <laughs> like, like, get her away from me! I can't, I can't look at her. Yeah, I gotta get a better pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What was what was your take on the Nutty Professor? So, I, when I saw the Nutty Professor, I think I saw it at the Cinerama Dome, like in theaters, like when it wow. came out. Nice. Um, it was like my whole family was there, and I think we just laughed our ass off. And I think I actually, like, I actually remember watching the original was like real old like 60s so mm-hmm. i already kind of knew kind of knew what i was kind of getting into a little bit mm-hmm. but um i think it i think i just yeah i think i thought it was just the <laughs> the funniest shit ever um i think sometime later when i was a little bit older i thought some of it was pretty gross but yeah. that's how I felt about like Austin Powers too. Like first thing, I was like, "That's so funny," and then later on, I was like, "Well, part of us didn't need to go that gross." Well, I mean, I just the the triumph of playing all those characters. Yeah. If you played all those characters and all of them sucked, it would still be a triumph. But they didn't suck, and they were very individual, yeah. and they did kind of uh, occupy this space of like. And and I remember being like that fat little boy where your mom just loves you so much. And you're just her fat little man and Hercules, Hercules, and whatever you do is that's great. That's the best part. I love that. Like, I love her yeah. love for him, you know? Right. Just, uh, look, look, he's, he's flexing his little muscles and stuff. Uh, it, was, it was so cute. But it also, I mean, I don't know. My family was very much like, you happy? Eat some food. You sad? Eat some food. Eat some food. You, you know, you depressed? Eat some food. You elated? Eat some food. You, yeah. did, you graduated? Eat some food. You failed? Eat some food. So it was like food, 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 food. And, and it, like him being able to like that movie kind of showing that environment for him. I mean, they did it in a comedic way, but like his whole right. family being kind of chunky showed that like you can get into this environment where you could be whatever size you want to be. But oh, when yeah. you start eating your fucking feelings, you know what I'm saying? That's when it starts to be a little starts to be a little wonky. And it's not about yeah. diet culture or any of that bullshit because he doesn't get skinny and win the day. 
that's right. not what wins him the day. It's his own making peace with himself and who he is really inside. Exactly. And I just, I love things that use Eddie's ability to be two different people. And like, uh, even like, okay. I, I don't like Bowfinger that much. But him playing two characters in it, I really felt each of those characters. The arrogant guy and then the oh. really good moments on it. Really Great like moments. funny, funny moments. But that's just yeah. him. Like he, watching yes. him is just funny. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it would be like under my like it's not on the top of my list of Oh, and I got some I got a controversy right here. Uh-oh. I don't really fuck with life. I, I, I know a lot of people do, and I understand because it's like a tour de force of him and Martin Lawrence playing these these uh, these guys who got a, caught a bum rap and had to go to jail for life and stuff. But when I found out, spoiler alert, that they don't really like get out, I was like, no, yeah. I'm not watching a movie about two brothers that's in jail forever and it's trying to be funny. I just can't yeah. do it. I can't yeah. do it. And that's, I feel I like men love it. watching p- prison movies. I feel like every man in the world like cannot leave the room if Shawshank Redemption's on. <laughs> like, Dude, I, there's something knew, inside you guys that cannot. I knew that some movie. people that I knew some people that really for real went to prison, and from what they advised me, it is not nothing to for entertainment. I've never been able to get. I, I've been able to get the things where people get out of prison. Yeah. When people get out of prison, like like I. The only typical man, I don't know about the only, but one of the biggest typical man movies that I like is uh, Heat. And mm. it's very informed by prison because there's people right. who don't want to go back to prison. There's people who right. never go back to prison. There's people who don't give a fuck about going to prison. They'll crack your fucking head open. Like that right. scene in a Casino where uh, uh, Joe Pesci's character is like, I'm going to come down here tomorrow. And if you don't have my money, I'm going to crack your fucking head open. And I'm not going to go to fucking jail. And right about the time I'm getting out, you'll be coming out of your coma. And I'll come back down here. I'll crack your fucking head open again. <laughs> it's like, damn. Like yeah. There are people who don't give a fuck about jail. Yeah. And there's people who are deathly afraid of it. And it yeah, having that I much power. I would be one of those people. Right. I would, right. like, what was that movie, Hustle, Hustle or Hustlers or whatever, about the women who are like, um, oh yeah, exotic yeah. dancers mm-hmm. and one of the characters when she's getting arrested just throws up on the cop that that would be me yeah that would be me like i would <laughs> like anytime anytime police even talk to me i want to throw up on them like, just like <laughs> even if they're like near me i'm like bleh, bleh, that's, the, that's the new <laughs> that's the new protest it's just like black <laughs> Just just carry some fucking apple cider vinegar and ice cream or something in your, in your car. Just mix it together real quick. Black. I don't even need it. I, I don't. Just the fear. Just the fear of it is enough. But so basically, uh, and I saw a lot of the other stuff, like, you know, like there's Showtime and Adventures of Pluto Nash mm-hmm. and all this weird shit where he goes into this weird period where it just seems like he's making money, like a uh, uh, haunted yeah. mansion and all this jazz. And, but then like the resurgence with uh, Dream Girls mm-hmm. and to a great degree, Norbit, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> the, I was like, the, Dream I was Girls. Like, I was like, Dream Girls. And then you said Norbit. I was like, ah. <laughs> I realize this is a podcast, so you can't see my expression. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, okay, he should have gotten an Oscar nomination for one, and the other one was bad. So he should have got a nomination for Norbit, and Dreamgirls was awful, right? That's what we believe, right? That's what we believe, right? Get out of here. Get out of here. (laughs) But uh, in this last section of the thing, I kind of want to talk about, A, 
some of the ones that we consider his best performances. And I just want to give a nice big bit of runway to Dolomite is my name mm. because I, I haven't really gotten to talk about it with the guys on here, but the fact is if I were going to rank my Eddie Murphy, my favorite Eddie Murphy performances, which we will do as we round out here, uh, it's on my list. Dolomite mm. is my name and it's not recency bias. I don't know, man. As I get as I get more mature and level up in this game, uh, as we, as up. we've as we've coined <laughs> for getting old, um, as I as I become more mature and I understand what I'm here to do and my art and what I have yet to do and all this different shit, sometimes it can be daunting. You'd be like, oh well, if I didn't do this by twenty, twenty five, twenty eight, right. or whatever, I'm a loser or whatever. Sometimes you can get infected with that that microwave thought process as far as creativity Mm -hmm. and Rudy Ray Moore being like a 45, 46, whatever year old guy and being like, yo, I have to, I've been in entertainment for a long time and haven't reached a certain amount of success. I have some new ideas on how I can flip my persona, but people kind of don't believe that I can do it. And if, but he believes so hard that he made his friends believe in Mm -hmm. him, recorded him a new comedy album, did this, did that. And started getting into movies and was able to basically fund his own movie and all this jazz. It's just like, I don't know, man. It made me like literally cry, number one. I saw it in the theater. I went to the theater to see it specifically because I wanted to treat it like a real movie because I knew about Rudy Ray Moore and stuff. But like what made me cry was like the ability to keep going and believe in yourself when almost nobody does yeah. and the power to galvanize people around your belief. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not, I don't want to, uh, if you're, <laughs> I don't want to um, give you too many blowjobs on here, but you making <laughs> your films and doing what you're doing really is inspiring to me because it's oh, like you, you can see where there is a lane for you and you can see where there might not be. And you go, why isn't there a lane for me? And so you just bust it and yeah. you make it. And it's like, that really inspires me, man. You know, uh, all this work I do in the criticism space and the creative space, like taking part movies and doing this and that and the other. And I'm, when I'm working on my own scripts and stuff, it really comes back to, as I'm sitting down to write my screenplays, as I'm sitting down to make my films, I have to believe it's my job to believe in myself regardless. Yeah. Even when it's hard. Like I, when I have those thoughts, I just start singing, listen, Ellie, y'all is a sabotage. <laughs> 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 I've accidentally done it out loud multiple times, but in my head, I'm mm-hmm. supposed to do it about it. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. But like, we have such sabotaging thoughts, all of us. But if you ain't going to believe in me, who, who is? You know? Right. And uh, Chris Rock has said so many things that people think are so wise or whatever, and so many things that people think are so dumb. But one of the things he said that I know is just right is when you're on the side of the road and you're sitting on your car and your car is fucking dead cars will just whip by you and nobody will help you mm-hmm. but if you start pushing that fucking car people will come help you it's and true. it's like that's what it is you have to show that you believe enough to try really hard and mm-hmm. i think this if there was a, i don't really fuck with new year's resolutions i i'm so glad that i started like losing weight and working out months and months before january 1st because I, I you don't want that like oh like hey, you're doing it for your new year's Ugh, shut up Ugh, <laughs> fuck you. no yeah no <laughs> fuck off with that bullshit <laughs> and i definitely don't want to be up in planet fitness's purple ass gym next to all these fucking assholes who are like eating chips two minutes ago and then jumped <laughs> over here which is there's nothing wrong with eating chips i love them there's but like you know what i'm saying they're that. just sitting around doing nothing and then all of a sudden some 
calendar changes and it's time. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that anymore. I really believe in like no matter what tw- I I think I made my decision to to try to get fitter uh around 12:30 at night 4 months ago. Just I was just yeah. sitting around being like, "Oh, I have one kettlebell and the goddamn internet and I have All some good need. Yeah, and I got some old man New Balance shoes that I could walk across the moon with. Put these motherfuckers on, start walking, and swing this goddamn bell around. Jesus Christ, it's not this hard. And I just broke it down to myself, and then I started being like, okay. I started doing it, and I was like, okay, but my recovery's fucked up. I'm feeling bad. Oh, Mm. your diet is shit, and you don't drink no water, and maybe you should fucking stretch. Stop being, you know what I'm saying? Stop doing all these things that make it so hard to work out. And it's just like... But you're doing the, the right thing. You're doing like atomic habits. That's what you're doing. Like one, mm-hmm. you know, one change at a time is all you need to do. And that's the same thing with your career. Like it's so, it's so hard to like think, oh God, I, I got to make a movie. Well, it, 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 calm down. You don't have to make a movie today, but what you could do is <laughs> you can write the script by the end of the month. And then you could, uh, next month, your goal could be to meet up with friends. Like it's like, you know, I think, uh, Build your team, right? Build your team team and use your network. There's nobody that's been out here for as long as you or I have been out here that doesn't garner a bunch of like real relationships and real friends who happen to be in the business. And if you haven't, (laughs) maybe attitude adjustment. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's you. It's Uh, you. You're the problem. It's you. Yeah, Taylor Swift did it. <laughs> that's so, the white side. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that, she that's out. <laughs> dude. It's like it's like uh, it's probably like dating Two Face. <laughs> so, uh, but basically, um, as we round out here, what are your? Because, like I said, Dolomite is my name is very high on my list, and if you okay. if you don't have your list, I can give you mine. You can see if how you many concur. are we doing? We're doing uh, top five. Three. I think we okay. do top five, top five, uh, yeah, top five roles. And I have an alternate, and I'll just say what my alternate is: Donkey from Shrek. People fucking act like that's not one of the greatest performances of all fucking time. It's so I, good. I have it. I had my dog was named Fiona, so you. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, know. he's the heart of that movie. When My- Mike Myers is so relentlessly negative, and Donkey is so relentlessly positive. And he pulls Shrek into this mm-hmm. positive um, orbit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Not a positive Not orbit. orbit. <laughs> I was like, stop making that, trying to make that happen. <laughs> a positive orbit. No. He pulls him into a positive orbit. Yes, you're no. absolutely right. No, no. Anastasia said that. She said no, positive orbit. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, um, this positive orbit and 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 kind of changed his life. Donkey changed Shrek's life, basically. And their friendship changed his life and made and launched him into a giant series. He would have just been a swamp goblin asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Also, not his like the original voice uh, was was different. But <laughs> oh, really? Was Jean Claude Van Damme like in the no, original Shrek, movie? <laughs> Shrek. The original Shrek was uh, Chris Farley. Oh. They actually filmed the whole thing with Chris Farley. Then Chris Farley died and they oh. redid it. Why did I know after that? After the fact, because of the manner in which he died. That's sad. So it would have been Chris Farley and Eddie Murphy. But well, I actually, I don't know how. Apparently there's audio because the whole thing was filmed. 
uh, mm-hmm. recorded. So there's got to be audio somewhere, and I would love to hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think curious. I'd love to hear it. I love, but you know, and not to be crass, but you know, just hear like, those takes where it's like, <sighs> okay, I'm a fucking ogre. Um, ah. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. I'm because you know, yep. Yeah. All yeah, these voiceover jobs, I I do voiceover myself, and bro, when I'm in the house, I'm smoking weed. I got my underwear on. I'm doing whatever I want to yeah. do. <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not wearing a three piece suit to do a fucking no, voice on a is. movie, nobody. right? <laughs> so yeah, I'm doing this in my draws. So okay, well we can. Okay. Um, I will what would say... you say top five? What would you say top five? Start at five and let's go ahead and build up to the t- to the tippity. Oh, okay, we're going bottom and top. Okay, uh, we're sorry from the bottom. Now we're here. Yep, I did Drake. Um, I didn't do Drake. Oh my god, no. Um, mm, um, can I put? I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put. Doctor Doolittle, at number five. Nice. And okay, why why is Doctor Doolittle on your list? I just think I it was like one of the first times I started seeing him as like a like a kind of like a dad, like a cool dad, um, mm-hmm. which probably just made my ovaries explode. Um, <laughs> no, I mean I think I think you know like our like my father figure in in um in pop culture was always Bill Cosby and we didn't have a lot of options and I thought that <laughs> when I saw Dr. Doolittle like I had a different option. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh shit. So, that, yeah. I mean, so, so many of us black people have that exact same story too. And it's so funny that Eddie Murphy was one of the one of the people to see through all of that, not obviously his f- horrific fucking crimes. We're not talking about that, right. but we are talking about Eddie being able to see the hypocrisy of what yeah. Homeboy was about. That was, yeah. I now that I think about it, like again, comics, meaning comedians, have to be so perceptive to be really good, to be great. Yeah. They have to be very perceptive. You can be a comedian just saying kind of stereotypes and hat garbage, mm-hmm. and you can go work at the Poughkeepsie Chuckle Hut or whatever the fuck. You can yeah. get to that level just saying some bullshit. But to truly transcend, to truly be a star, I think, unless you're beautiful or it's remarkably ugly, those two <laughs> things can really help you be a comedy superstar. But the third thing that can help and you be a comedy superstar. And both at the same time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think I'm, I think I'm trying to harness both. But I, I think the thing that uh, the third thing that they can make you a comedy superstar is being really fucking incisive, mm-hmm. like really, really perceptive. Yeah. That can launch you into superstardom because you're seeing stuff that people may or see, may be seeing and can't articulate, or seeing stuff they never saw, and you're shocking them with your acumen. And he did all of the above. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He can he be did. remarkably beautiful. He can say remarkably ugly stuff yeah. and make you laugh. He can, and he called you know, people out on their shit. And, um, I mean, I think I was always conflicted when he would say stuff about <laughs> Bill Cosby because I I was just raised to think Bill Cosby was like he was. But he was he was criticizing our community far far before then, and I remember mm-hmm. like Eddie always calling him out and Wanda Sykes, and I I was always so confused. <laughs> so I was like, wait, right. are we supposed to, wait? That's our mm-hmm. daddy. <laughs> right. Supposed to talk about him like that. Um. So I think that was really cool. But I, seeing him like Doctor, you know, seeing Eddie Murphy step up as like a really nice kind silly dad was real fun mm-hmm. 
Really Absolutely. Good. All right. Well, the number five on your list is Dr. Doolittle. Yay! Number five on my list, I do believe, is um I think I think it's Marcus from Boomerang because I think he has a great arc in that movie. I think he acts his ass off, and I think just the statement that it made that like black professionals can have these adventures that are worthy of and shout out to Reginald Hudlin too, who directed the movie. Um, just it's to me, one of those seminal movies and his character in there, while not as wild and crazy or, or maybe as memorable and Bugs Bunny-like as some of the other characters I'm going to talk about, uh, just that performance was like, it was like the type of role they would have given to Paul Newman in mm-hmm. the 60s in mm-hmm. a regular white movie about white people doing the Mad Men sort of situation. They would have given a role like that to Paul Newman or to like, uh, yeah, somebody like that, that or maybe... Robert, Rob, they wouldn't have given it to Robert Redford. They would give it to Paul Newman because Paul Newman was more human and had more of that. Like he could be downtrodden and still be the handsomest guy in the world. That's kind of what Marcus uh, represented when he got dumped or whatever. Just like I'm a fine ass man who's hurt, you know. Yeah. And it's like, what am I going to do? And also, shout out to Eddie's '90s haircuts. Uh, you know, e- even up to stuff like so I, such a so great haircut good. in Boomerang. I love like how in the nineties guys just let their hair do like all kinds of crazy shit that they mm-hmm. do not do. I will also say number four is boomerang because foin. Foin, 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 foin. Spanky, banky, banky, banky. I mean, you had like a lot of great points, but mine is spanky, banky, banky, banky. <laughs> well, look, we've been reductive about women's looks forever. You guys could do it to us now. It is great. I am not um, trying to reduce him at all. I am trying to <laughs> lift him up. If he would like to come over, I will lift him up gladly. <laughs> I will embrace him with such kindness. <laughs> There's no reduction needed. Just put him on your hip like a koala. Like, I love you, man. Um, so wait, so basically, uh, okay, uh, next on my list, and then you can go. Next on my list is Prince Akeem. Because I really mm. loved how innocent he was in that movie, even though yeah. obviously he was getting mad, like uh, hand and mouth stuff under his bathwater stuff for 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 a long time. Uh, he still had an innocence, <laughs> right? He had an innocence about love. You know what I'm saying? Like he had had a lot of sex, but he wanted love and to build something, and yeah. he went about doing that in a way that was honorable. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting flip on the whole playboy king prince whatever character just like i want to i want to marry for love i i kind of love that for number three can i go snl characters with it yeah okay i think the last three are just gonna be snl characters (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that that's fine because mine are movie characters okay uh number three i'm gonna i'm gonna say hot tub i'm gonna say james brown yeah you know in that people have uh, you you probably know this already but for the listeners um the hot tub was actually hella cold so that's one of the reasons why he was reacting that way because like it wasn't super hot that had to be cold because when it if if it was hot then the steam would fuck up the cameras or something like that so they had to make it cold so he was really reacting to it (laughs) well yeah you know well you know what hey I, the, I don't know if the props guys hated Eddie Murphy, but if the <laughs> actors that he had to act opposite of and he was blowing off the stage all the time had to choose, I'm like, yeah, put him in that cold water. Fuck him. No, don't put but him yeah. in cold water. I'll warm and, him and up. They, 
They wanted, <laughs> they, wanted to, they wanted to shrink his package. But like, see, he ain't all that. <laughs> Could have put but him in that is, hot water. But he is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I think James Brown. The source of all of my pro- dating problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you are indeed actually looking for Eddie Murphy, you will be coming up short <laughs> for a long time. Yeah, that uh, is valid. That is a valid point. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's just like everybody needs to compromise. Like I can't get 1997 Janine Garofalo or fucking uh, What's Love Got to Do with It, Angela Bassett. So I gotta fucking figure something out. I gotta in the figure present. something out. <laughs> I gotta figure something out in the present. I get uh, it. I get it. A little compromise goes a long way. Um, I waxed Rhapsodic enough about Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite is my name. My only last part is him playing somebody who it's got to be a major acting challenge to play somebody who made it late when Mm. you succeeded at 19. It just seems to me like that he was really acting his ass off to be a person who was trying and trying and trying well into their forties and even early fifties and didn't really do shit. And all of a sudden had this explosion and this second life. How did Eddie even fucking relate to that at all? You know what I mean? I, mean, I think in a way I could see why he would, because I feel like no matter where you are in your career as an actor or as a creative in general, we all f- doubt that we're going to have a next job. We doubt we're going to have a comeback. We're going to doubt, you know, like, uh, so, I mean, like there's still that anxiety. I mean, he is Eddie Murphy. He's going to be fine, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't feel like he's not going to (laughs) be right. Right. It's just like, like, yeah, like, uh, models and stuff. And you have been a model yourself or are a model. So it's like models are like literally supposed to be, According to whoever the fuck, like, yeah. oh, this prime of humanity, yeah. and they have problems and think of themselves in oh, weird yeah. different ways. And when sure. your job is when your when your job description is um, great approximation of human form, mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when that's your job description and you still feel bad about yourself, that's some major shit. Yeah, and I feel like I could see, you know, just getting older, him feeling, what does that mean for for my career? What does that what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What is my next chapter? Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So who's your next person? Mr. Our Robinson. character from SNL. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Robinson. <laughs> Who is He's it? so good. He's so good. I was like, why isn't this a real TV show? I mean, like, it's a sketch, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. No, I, I really think it could have. I honestly think if he hadn't had such major movie success, that could have been one of the ones that got adapted to like, cause Mr. Robinson's neighborhood could be very easily one of those help the community center ass movies where this kind of curmudgeon that lives in this house and, and yells at people who come to his door and is very fearful and gets out the window when the cops come becomes a community leader and helps his neighborhood. Boom. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a script that could have been written Just easily. Saying but. You can do it still because Snoop Dogg has a kid's show now. Okay. And yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Oh, I love his. I love his affirmation. <laughs> I can't do what I set my mind to. I don't I need it. to smoke blunts until I'm 21 or whatever, the, whatever the fuck they say. Yes, it's great. So Eddie, you can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and my number two is obviously um, 
Well, it's not obvious that he's my number two, but it's uh, Reggie Hammond at 48 hours, man. It launched a thousand ships. It's Helena Troy's fucking face to me. It's just, it's so huge. And the ripples are, we're still feeling the ripples to this day. And I think it still might be one of the most black person controlling a group of white people's uh, scene of all time. I think it still might be the number one black person says, hey, a bunch of white people you're not in charge. I'm in charge. You shut the fuck up. I'm the boss. I don't. It's fucking forty years later, and I, I don't know if I've seen a more effective scene than that. Which kind of tells like you, a like revenge you know. fantasy, right there. <laughs> 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 and I get it. Yeah. <laughs> we all have and the it. Thing, and the thing is, even in that, it wasn't that he was just trying to get this arbitrary revenge on him. He he was literally he had a goal. Mm-hmm. He had to intimidate them to get the, his goal to happen. And he did it. Whereas, like, okay, what are these regular cops' excuses? They just want to fuck with people. But he, like, had the specific thing he was trying to do. So he was heroic even as he was being oppressive. And obviously we can't see it as oppressive because one of us saying that to a bunch of honky-tonkers isn't, you know, 400 years of of white supremacy. But it just felt like a nice – it's like – if it's felt like if you got 500 years of body blows from white supremacy – Eddie Murphy provided a nice eye gouge in that mm-hmm. scene. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, ah, take that fucker. This is real Three Stooges shit. So, I okay, mean, who's your? I want. I think I need to make you a T-shirt of that scene or something. I think it's. Like, <laughs> I think it's your. It's it's your power moment. Like every well, time you're it's... not like, I don't want to work out. You're like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> Let's put this scene on right now. <laughs> Um, why why you're why you're bullshitting there's a scene in john wick 2 where they're talking about john wick is like he's not the greatest the fastest the this the that but he has the greatest will and his mm-hmm. will is what allows him to defeat all y'all trust me i've i've gotten some personal records lifting <laughs> watching that <laughs> watching that scene and watching just the indomitable will of john wick and john wick 2 and 3 specifically fucking yeah. dudes up i I go, if John Wick could beat up dudes after getting three movies of his ass kicked, then exactly. you can pound out this last set. You can do it. You can do it. No, water boy. <laughs> um, and that's also Eddie Murphy. No. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Eddie Murphy. Adam Sandler whips off his mask and he's Eddie Murphy. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> there was this one year that Jamie Foxx was like in everything. I was seeing this guy at the time. Like he went to one movie and he was like, so Jamie Foxx has got to be in this because he's been in everything. Is he the shark or something? <laughs> so we're at number two or are we at number one? What are we doing? I think we're at, I think we're at number one because you know the right. list has like a lot of crossover and stuff. So okay, um, my number one, I was going to do coming to America, but I don't want to do that anymore because I feel like you already did it. <laughs> so <laughs> well, I'm going to say Gumby because Gumby's fun. It's yes. fun and it's nostalgic. I wish, I wish Gumby, honestly, part of me goes, if he was going to have some movie that bombed its ass off in the 80s, swap out Best Defense and give me a Gumby movie that could be yeah. like a cult classic now. Like you and mm-hmm. I could watch it and be like, oh my God, this is the greatest. And everybody yeah. else would be like, uh, no. I don't think I'm this is kidding. very good. I'm just kidding. My number one is uh, Pluto Nash. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I mean, I wish that had been invited back to the podcast ever again. No, no. She said Eddie Murphy was Adam Sandler, and then she said that the the caricature of this kind of old timey show business person, like the fact that like Gumby had this happy go lucky life, 
Hey, it's like uh, somebody, talk. right? It's like somebody doing a sketch about like how Barney just smokes blunts and cigarettes and drinks forties yeah. between the takes with the kids. Like, look, I'm disillusioned. I'm fucking Barney. They go, I love you. But there's not enough love in the fucking world. You know, there's yeah. something about this disillusioned child character that's great. And they've tried to like they've tried to do, and they've done it a couple times where it's been funny in SNL where they've done like that role reversal. Like, I remember they did the sketch where like Fred Armisen was the Queen of England, and mm-hmm. I forgot who played the but anyway and every time anyone left they would talk like cockney they'd be like hey you motherfucker blah, blah. and then when people come in they're like oh what's happening? What's happening? <laughs> um, so i do love like a good like role reversal type like hidden personality um and so i think that is probably why but also i just really think it was nostalgic for me to like i don't know I saw him, you know, we saw him do it again, but I think I could see him do it more. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree with you. And, uh, and you know, my last one is definitely Aquel Foley. I just, I don't know that a, I don't know that a black guy has ever been that powerful slash vulnerable mm. slash in charge slash over their head slash, you know, dedicated to a cause and mm-hmm. also able to rally people to his cause. Like he got a big portion of the well enough Beverly Hills cops to rally mm-hmm. to his cause and see that he was the greatest cop. There's all these metaphors in there of just like when you're out of your environment, you have to kind of stick to your guns and stick to how you do stuff. Yeah. And if it is truly dope, people will, will can follow along and understand your dopeness and even help you get out of the trouble you get yourself into. Because like at the end of the movie, he just shot basically the mayor of Beverly Hills. Yeah. He's well, got to have know, some it's buddies. problematic, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got to have some buddies to get him out of that situation. And so I, that's cops like are a really good at being buddies. Now that um, is yeah. funny. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah, the fact that he didn't end up like some other cops that uh, went went off the reservation, as they say. The fact yeah. that he didn't end up like that is, is a testament to his charm. So, yeah. In in final thoughts, what in conclusion? In conclusion, uh, <laughs> what what did he do that made him so impactful in your life? If you could sum it up, I mean, I think he gave me a comedic voice in general. Like, I I think if like people were like, "Why did you become a comedian?" I could name like four four people and like four tv shows very easily that did that and eddie murphy would be like at the top i think richard Pryor and eddie murphy would be at the top of why i'm a comedian and take Mm -hmm. that as you will you guys and i just gotta say you have maybe the funniest spank bank a girl has (laughs) ever had i do i have a really weird spank (laughs) (laughs) and it's like i just oh i love that very honest about spank bank no, because like guys are really we're we're like people say that women are jealous, but when guys look at who women like, mm-hmm. there's so many feelings of like, oh, oh, they all like this guy, they all like that guy. But when you see people, when, when I see girls going just way left, and and not not that Eddie Murphy is that, but like way left, or it, to people who like their funniness is part of why mm-hmm. they're sexy and shit mm-hmm. like that. I'm heartened by that. That I'm just like not all about that body. I'm all about that like personality and like I can't like that. I I think they call me demisexual. I'm just like really attracted to like the person, <laughs> which is very strange. But then you know I have a picture of Michael B. Jordan on my phone. Oh, of I course. have I have the yeah. Creed I have the Creed three poster on my phone mm-hmm. right now. But I don't think I would actually. I don't know. They'd come up to me and I'd be like, I don't know how much I like you. <laughs> I just want to look at you. 
Um, so basically, uh, tell the people now that we've discovered exactly um, the person or one of the persons that uh, uh, that uh, jerks it to Eddie Murphy. The most. <laughs> no, you best believe it. <laughs> going to refute that okay no, now that we've no now that we've identified now that we've identified uh the, the one of the most interesting spank banks of all time and we've had a good time for this last hour and some change uh please tell people where they can a- engage more with the wonder that is anastasia washington thank you well you can always find me at target no i'm just kidding uh you, <laughs> no, you are not kidding that, not, that is I'm not kidding too often and trader Joe's. you can find me at anastasia wash on instagram i don't know if we're doing twitter anymore but i'm on there you I like don't have it on my phone anymore because I don't know there's problems. I'm Anastasia Wash on TikTok and AnastasiaWashington.com is my website where you can find all all the things. Um, (laughs) Oh, tell them about your book, Wamogian. Oh yes, it will be on Audible and it's called "You Need to Hear This." It's like your best friend telling you what you need to know. Um, And you know those who can't teach, listen to my book. So, and uh, thank you guys for listening to uh, this episode. Thank you guys for continuing to support our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. Thank you for leaving reviews on Apple and Spotify. We're on all the apps, but Apple and Spotify have the strongest review section. So, even if you don't fuck with them, log in, throw a review on there, and then smoke bomb, get out of there. You don't have to stay on those apps, but give us that review because it really helps us move up the chart. And please make it five stars. Uh, oh, also, uh, we're going to start doing ads for Manscaped, I think, <laughs> in the next couple episodes. So we got we got approached. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're moving on up. And um, <laughs> Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> to a deluxe nut shaver <laughs> in the sky. Hi, hi. <laughs> it's smooth up there. <laughs> well, dude, if people go to Manscaped.com and they use the promo code Greatest pod. They get 20% off and they get free shipping. This has been a funny, epic episode of The Greatest Pod.